1: Well, we weren't able to get to our lust topic last week, so the quote we used still stands. And it was so nice, we're using it twice. As one of the great Christian thinkers of the 20th century, C.S. Lewis, tells us, He that but looketh on a plate of ham and eggs to lust after it hath already committed breakfast with it in his heart. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity, show where every week Nikki and I do our best to help brothers and sisters in the faith walk that narrow road um, in this ever more secular world that we live in Mm -hmm. and um, how we can you know sort of stick close to Christ in the midst of all this wickedness so that's what we look to do here before we get rolling fully in the show though is there anything you would like to say
0: um I don't really have a prayer request. I just want to let everybody know my back is fine. We just have a really bad mattress. And Spencer doesn't want to get a new mattress. So
1: I'm not opposed to a new mattress.
0: Those lovely foam textured things that are like $10 and yeah, they're okay. Yeah.
1: It's not that I don't want a new mattress. (laughs) It's that we aren't yet certain that the mattress is the problem.
0: Yes, it is.
1: So if you spend $1,000 on a new mattress and your back still hurts.
0: Okay, but it has been almost a year because when we first got, not right when we got here, but soon after, well, soon after we bought the mattress, which was probably like after like one day of being here because we didn't bring our mattress with us from New Mexico. But my lower back started hurting And my hips started hurting since we've been here. And now my middle back is hurting. And I'm pretty sure it's all because of this new mattress. It's too soft. We've never had such a soft mattress before.
1: What's funny is we got married. We bought our first mattress. And we probably had it for, I mean, almost 14 years probably. Yeah. And it was a great mattress. But we're like, man, we've had this thing forever. So let's buy a new mattress. So we bought a new mattress uh, two years ago or so. And it was a bare mattress, hard as a slab of concrete. So we slept on it for a couple of weeks and we're like, we can't do this anymore. So we sent it back, brought the old 14-year-old mattress back out, loved it. And then when we moved, we couldn't bring the mattress because our U-Haul wasn't big enough. So got here and we bought this new mattress that we all, you know, we tested out in a store, you know, obviously laid on it for five minutes. And we both loved it in the store. Yeah, you gotta sleep on it to know. Don't let her fool you into thinking that I'm somehow I'm a bed miser. I've bought two mattresses. Listen, he (laughs)
0: goes and buys new laptops and computer parts all the time. And then he's like, I don't like it. I'm gonna take it back and get something else. We can't do that with a mattress though. But you're all into health, you'd think.
1: Well, and that's why we're gonna ask you guys if you have a mattress that you like, (laughs) if maybe you've purchased one recently and You know, you're just a a big fan of it. You know, we got our social media links, the comments on the videos. Please reach out to us. We'd please, help. you know, we don't want to go down the road of buying another bare mattress. And, you know, just I guess we need something that's. Perfectly comfortable. That's it. Like not too hard, not too soft. Something like if you had a mattress that you had slept on for 14 years and broken perfectly. (laughs) If you have one of those. Uh, if only would... we
0: could have kept it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, help us out there. If you have any recommendations, we're open to them. Um, I'm open to buying a new mattress that is going to get in the way of me putting together a new I will let computer, you guys though. know
0: if that happens. Right. I'm going to hold you to it.
1: Settle down. <laughs> so we do have some real prayer requests, not Nikki's i, I just know, wanted
0: to bring it up
1: desires for a new bed she's help. been lusting after a new bed so. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> um, but i do have some prayer requests so i did just start writing a book that is a desire i've had for a long time so she was mocking my new laptop purchases i had to spend several thousand dollars on a oh new writing laptop i mean how could you not write
0: several thousand
1: how could you write a book and not be <laughs> on a macbook pro it doesn't even make sense so um I did start writing a book this week and I'll probably divulge it as I actually get rolling more and more out, you know, what the book is, but it's been on my heart. I mean, if you listen to this show, it's not going to be terribly surprising what we write about, but just pray that I'd stay focused. You know, I kind of run off in a thousand different directions all the time and I really want to stay focused. My goal is to have it done by the end of the year. So pray for me there. I also starting on Monday. So just a couple days from now, I am going to be starting a jailhouse Bible study at one of the local jails here. I wanted to do this months and months ago, but I missed sort of the enrollment deadline and the the enrollment just came back around. I got my application in and got a call from the chaplain and I'm going to be going in with a buddy from church who also does it to kind of see how it works uh, on Monday. And then hopefully just get up and rolling and you know start having a good Bible study with some of those fellas there. And then also the last one is a big prayer request. You know, if you guys have listened to this show for a while, you know, I'm in the Air Force and I did some pretty intensive training, you know, going back five, six months now. I've talked to you guys about that. Well, I had a buddy in that course and me and him were the only ones that were going down the religious accommodation for the COVID vaccine sort of path. And I'm still walking that path. I haven't had anything fully denied or nothing approved yet. But he just got his final appeal denial today. Um, So he has no other recourse left besides get the shot or get out. Um, And he's got a new baby. So he's wrestling with some um, tough decisions. And, you know, I just asked that you guys would lift him up. We call him TM. Just lift him up in your prayers that God would, you know, give him wisdom and give him peace with whatever decision he decides to, to make there. Um, and then just pray for the Air Force. I mean, I don't know how the Air Force can claim to support religious liberty or religious freedom anymore. You know, it's okay. one thing to say you support something, but it doesn't matter until you're actually tested. And the Air Force has been tested to support religious freedom, and they have failed spectacularly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that is depressing for someone like me who's been in for 16 years. And that's a shame. So just lift up TM. Pray for the leaders of our nation and our military. Um, God needs to do a work there. Uh, and then last two things before we get rolling on this, um, this episode here. Uh, Cardinal solutions, Cardinal contingency solutions. I talk to you guys about them every week. And last week, we talked about the rites of passages that they do for young men as they're sort of coming into their own. And this week, I just wanted to mention that they do offer sort of survival courses. If you're sort of that, you know, weekend warrior, sort of a doomsday prepper, or you just want to test your mettle in the wilderness. Um, They they call it their survival basics, looking at the six basics of survival. And they offer, like it says, two and five day courses. And what's cool is these are fully customizable. Like they don't have a two day course and a five day course on a shelf that they just pluck off the wall and here's your five day course. It's customizable. It's what you want. I mean, they don't have anything pre-built. They're gonna sit down with you guys and find out what type of adventure you're looking for. And this is what by and large they do for a living. I mean, they have survival instructors that work for Cardinal. Uh, This is what they've been doing for a decade plus in the U.S. military. So reach out if that sounds interesting to you guys. uh, Hit them up, send them an email. Uh, I'm sure they can put something together for you that is uh, right up your alley if you're an outdoorsy type person. And then the last one, we mentioned we're a member of the Christian podcast community. Very honored to be a member of that community. We will have an interview coming up shortly with Andrew Rappaport, who is sort of the Founder of the Christian Podcast Community, pastor, podcaster himself. But our sermon this week is going to be coming from one of our Christian Podcast Community members, a little more well known than us. I believe Justin Peters is at least somewhat of a, a noticeable name in the Christian community. And either last week or this week, he did an interview with John MacArthur. And we're going to be having that interview because i thought it was pretty good Mm -hmm. uh, what macarthur talked about it wasn't terribly long so i think it's a good listen but also christian podcast community has 50 to 55 good godly men and women um, that can i'm sure offer some inspiration and enjoyment to your day and not all of them are quite as well known as justin peters but they're all um, worth a good listen i listened to one just kind of Thought about this now. It's like there's a guy named I think Matt Schlick. I think is his name, but he sort of does a call-in show where he just people call in, ask him theological or biblical questions. (laughs) This this black kid called in, and he's like, "Yo, man, like I was laying in my bed and I was watching my uh watching my security cameras. He was like, it was late at night, and I started seeing like these, um, like." orbs coming out of the ceiling and they just kept coming out of the ceiling and like as i moved just more and more started pouring out of the ceiling and he's like so i freaked out went and grabbed my son and we got out of there went to a hotel oh, he's true. like but then as soon as we left like i was watching my camera and the orbs were gone and so he's like tell him this story <laughs> he what? goes on to tell matt schlick and he's like yeah so i went and talked to a shaman and matt schlick's like whoa <laughs> so it's pretty entertaining oh my Um, gosh so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in go check out the christian podcast community (laughs) um show or links are in the show notes there's some good shows on there yeah that kid he was all screwed up it's
0: just live is his live? then it's just live yeah this kid's like
1: so i thought shamans were good he's like no it's a good shaman he's like there are no good shamans (laughs) so it's pretty funny um but moving along It's time for us to enter the valley of the shadow of death. So take a look at the news of the week. And this is pretty seriously the valley of the shadow of death this week. Some pretty awful news. Um, But before that, so in the least surprising news of the week, um, the first person to our knowledge to ever be nominated for the Supreme Court and not be able to define what a woman is was just, in fact, elected to the Supreme Court. Um, that's right. Justice Kentaji Brown Jackson is a Supreme Court justice. And she may not be able to define what a woman is, but she is black. And she says she's a woman, though we are not biologists, so we cannot confirm. Um, but the good news also is that all of the, you know, super woke, idolatrous black ministers around the country have just had their Sunday sermons written for them Um, so here's a good one for you let's see if this will play
0: Lord God she has walked through the valley of the shadow of death but she has persevered they questioned her morals but she has persevered Lord they questioned her integrity dear God she has persevered she is The example for our young women to know how to stand in the valley of the shadow of
1: death. Lord God. Doesn't that just warm your heart? She is the example for young women, and they will certainly make her the case. She will be the example for young Christian black women all across the country. Unless we do our job as parents and Christians and point out that you should, in fact, be able to define what a woman is.
0: We need to be all the more diligent in talking about obvious truths that you don't think that you have to explain to your kids. It might be offensive, like, hey, kids, let's talk about what a woman is, just in case.
1: (laughs) Yeah, how do we know what a woman is? Where do we go to find out what a woman is? And Also, I mean, we say this jokingly. We say this sadly. But we do need to pray for Judge Jackson. You know, Mm -hmm. Peter denied Christ three times and came back. So it's not impossible for her, and it would be amazing to have her be a rock solid woman of faith on the Supreme Court. We need them, Um, and she's not too far gone. You know, it may be difficult now that she's sort of made her bed with the LGBTQIA plus sort of mafia, and you know, you got the race idolaters backing her hundred percent. It's going to be hard to climb out of that ditch, but it's not impossible. So pray for justice. Um, Jackson, she's going to need all the prayers that she can possibly get. Um, but also in the news this week, um, let me see. Yeah. Also in the news this week was just a short little story in the world of sort of sports and politics. We discussed the Honorable Senator Reverend Ralph Warnock previously on this show, and um, we do remember the Honorable Reverend Senator Ralph Warnock. He is the (laughs) pro-abortion, pro-LGBTQ, anti-parental notification of abortions for minors, which sounds pretty disgusting, Reverend Senator who also (laughs) believes that Jesus was an undocumented immigrant. And he also believes in following the COVID science. Um, So that Senator Reverend Ralph Warnock, um, he is currently being led in the polls by none other than Herschel Walker, um, of all people. So let me ask you, honey, who is Herschel Walker? I don't know. (laughs) Herschel Walker is one of the, he's really more of an all-time great college football running back.
0: Oh, that's why you asked me. (laughs) He
1: was a good NFL running back. What he's probably most known for is even to this day, I think he still sort of holds the record as like the most lopsided trade in NFL history. So you may be unfamiliar, but I think it was in 1989, if I'm not too off or off too far. The Dallas Cowboys had Herschel Walker as their running back. They went one in fifteen that year, and they traded him to the Minnesota Vikings. And to this day, no one's ever gotten more in a trade back. I think they got like three first-round picks, three second-round picks, four players, like a sixth-round pick. It was insane. And because of that Herschel Walker trade, they went on to win three Super Bowls in the nineties. So. Herschel Walker's most notable achievement was getting the Dallas Cowboys a Super Bowl on his departure. Um, But he was a really good running back, so I'm kind of joking. But yeah, he's leading Ralph Warnock in the polls, which is great, and it's not great. And why we should care, right? So for Christians, why should we care? Um, I always like to try to make these news stories pertinent to Christians. We shouldn't care necessarily for Herschel Walker. Like, it's cool that he was part of a big trade in the NFL back in the day. Uh, But the odds are he won't be a great politician for this country. Just based on the simple fact that we've had so few great politicians in this country over the last hundred years, the odds are just really sacked against him, I would imagine. Um, But he does at least, um, from what I've heard of him, have sort of a pro-freedom, pro-America, pro-God stance. So that's good. Um, But more so, the esteemed, honorable, Reverend Senator Ralph Warnock is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And having him set on a pedestal as sort of a man of God Mm -hmm. in the Senate, it undermines men of God, like real men of God that stand on God's word and not Democrat politics that are just draped in preacher's garb. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think Herschel Walker winning is. Nice, or at least leading, because um, I think the simple fact for Christians, this is just religionless Christianity. What do we know, right? But you can't be pro-abortion, pro-LGBTQ, and be a Christian, especially not a minister, a yeah. reverend, a church leader. Right. You know, not to mention that he seems pretty involved in the whole racial division in America, which does not seem like loving the brethren. Who am I to say? <laughs> um so do you have anything on the honorable, esteemed Senator Reverend Ralph Warnock? Nope. He is the youngest Reverend in the history of Ebenezer Baptist Church. I don't know what church he is a rep. So he's still apparently the Reverend there. Anyway, okay, we'll okay. move on. Okay, yeah,
0: please. So this <laughs> one is
1: just a little more in my wheelhouse, and that's why I wanted to mention it. Just because I read the story and I was like. Good God in heaven. Um, Just social justice in the military. So this, do you want to read that headline, honey?
0: It says, Army General Fired Loses a Star After Counterproductive Leadership.
1: And then just read this paragraph.
0: Uh, Gamble was reported to the Army's Inspector General in September 2020 over allegations he made. Uh, racist remarks about black subordinates along with other inappropriate comments according to an article published by task and purpose which was first to report on the investigation
1: my god is that horrible i mean just think racist remarks against a black subordinate can't have it so of course they went and did an investigation and what did the investigation (laughs) find do you want to read that paragraph honey
0: The investigation found that Gamble did not discriminate based on race and that most of his actions had a positive impact on the organization, Smith said in a statement Wednesday. Additionally, command climate surveys identified a majority of Lieutenant General Gamble's subordinates were satisfied with his leadership. The investigation did, however, substantiate that he displayed counterproductive leadership behaviors at times for which he received a general officer memorandum of reprimand
1: yeah hmm. so somebody made a complaint against him yeah we have no That's idea it. who could have made a complaint against him <laughs> and in completely unrelated news he is being relieved of command and being replaced by major general uh, charles hamilton Uh, if you're not watching the video that is a black gentleman not making any claims here there you have it Um, who knows why who knows what pray for our military Um, pray for our national leadership we are in not great footing Um, so I kind of joke on that. I just want to clear that up. No idea if Major General Charles Hamilton was the one person apparently in uh, General Gamble's chain of command that thought he made some sort of racist remarks. But he did benefit from General Gamble being shuffled out of the way. Um, Mm -hmm. So, again, not making any statements here. Just a thing. So anyways um, those are just a few quick stories that sort of you know piqued my interest in the news this week, but we did want to focus on a larger cultural issue this week before we got into our Bible topic, and this is sort of a place where like culture and Christianity really meet head on, and I think the good news for Christianity is we're winning, and I think that's why it's important to sort of continue speaking out about it, not sort of rest on our laurels if you will, but just keep pressing in for that complete victory um so as we kind of lead or get into that article or get into that topic i'm sorry we did find an article from the gospel coalition that kind of seemed like a good segue Mm -hmm. so do you want to read that headline
0: says don't overlook the value of cultural apologetics
1: yep cultural apologetics and then just read
0: says the term Cultural apologetics has been used to refer to systematic efforts to advance the plausibility of Christian claims in light of the messages communicated through dominant cultural institutions, including films, popular music, literature, art, and the mass media. So while traditional apologists would critique the challenges to the Christian faith, advanced in the writings of certain philosophers, cultural apologists might look instead at the soundbite philosophies embedded in the lyrics of popular songs, the plots of popular movies, or even the slogans in advertising.
1: Yep, so I'm kind of curious how you guys, sort of the audience out there, feels about the idea of cultural apologetics Is just a thought or an idea. You know, should it be a focus? And if not, like, why or how should it be a focus kind of thing i'm just curious to get your guys's take um because i think for us or at least me largely speaking for myself uh i think this is a large part of how i feel about this podcast you know i think it's why we started this podcast um, and what we try to do on some level you know this cultural apologetics and i think it's also what you see men like vody bacham doing you know obviously on a much more intelligent level than what i could ever do um, you know, it's that idea of like, how do we navigate, as we mm-hmm. said, the secular world and maintain our faith, um, our faith in Christ and also sort of showing people that biblical worldview, you know, the biblical standard for life.
0: So just with this term, cultural apologetics, if people know what that means and they say, what's your podcast about? We just say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you could say, well. Like
0: there's a word for it.
1: It's cultural. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, and I, yeah, I would say that's. A term that we would probably use for it. Um, Because, I mean, apologetics is largely just arguing in defense of something. So, if you're, you know, more of a theological apologist, right, Mm -hmm. you're arguing for the defense of the faith. So, if you're arguing for a biblical sort of Christian culture, that's all it is. That's all a cultural apologist might be. Um, And we've said it many times on this show, and we'll say it again here. The Ten Commandments are freedom. You know, mm-hmm. I think when you live within God's guardrails, you can actually be free to live. Mm-hmm. But once you move outside of those guardrails, like we're seeing in our society, you become a slave to every vice mm-hmm. and every sinful impulse. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in the vein of cultural apologetics, you know, we're going to try to discuss abortion today uh, before di- diving into our biblical topic. And. um just before we kind of end on this and just really, we wanted to bring this up to get your guys' thoughts and just sort of a lead into abortion, but they did make a note down here that I thought was important. Uh yeah, let me see. Having trouble finding it. Uh, Just a second. Oh, yeah, right here. Um, Okay, yeah, so if you want to just read this part, honey.
0: No form of apologetics comes without dangers. The risk in prioritizing cultural apologetics is that the culture part can dwarf the apologetic part. By so emphasizing study of the culture or the society you're called to reach, you find yourself underdeveloped in studying the scriptures.
1: Yep. And I think that is absolutely true and very important. Um mm-hmm. very important to focus on. Yep. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before on the show. I think this is the part that Nikki is so often more concerned with than I am. You know, are we focusing too much on the world and not enough on Jesus? Um mm-hmm. and it's definitely a good concern to have. It's the thought you should have. And, you know, I think That's partly why we do our podcast the way that we do. We sort of have a 10 to 1, you know, Jesus to world layout in our show. So we have our 10 daily devotionals throughout the week, two daily devotion or two devotionals a day, um, and then the one podcast. So all the devotionals are largely based on scripture or straight out of scripture. And that really helps me, I think helps Nikki just sort of stay in the word where you're not so focused on the news all the time because you're, you know, for us, yeah. our show is, if you look at it that way, 10 to 1, Jesus to world. Because you do have that trappings of, oh, I got to look at the news. And, you know, when I'm on Twitter and scrolling through Twitter and stuff and you see the same people posting stuff about, like, politics and they're supposed yeah. to be Christians and stuff, and you're like, ugh, God, like, just, I mean, Christians aren't supposed
0: to be absorbed in what, what's going on in the world in that way and then you're never spending time fellowshipping with one another about the goodness of god the love of god and that's what we're supposed to have our unity over and we can't just come together and talk about what's wrong with the world what's satan doing like what's that's not our you that's not what brings us together and even unbelievers can come together with believers and talk about those same issues You know,
1: but I do think it's important on some level to focus on it and maybe not for everybody, you know, but like not everybody's going to be voting Bauckham and taking, you know, CRT issues head on. But I think it's important for them to do that, Mm -hmm. right? Because the rest of us have to sort of digest that and figure out how to live in there. So uh, I do think it's important. And then also I mentioned that John MacArthur sermon earlier, that interview, it's not a sermon, it's an interview. Um, And one of the questions that he gets asked in there by Justin Peters is sort of his stance on uh, or his fights kind of against the different cultural issues that he's had over the decades. Um, And MacArthur made the point that you don't pick and choose battles is what he said. I'm kind of paraphrasing. He said, but they fight every battle. They don't just pick Oh well, this one. You know, I I'm for this one. I don't really care about this one. He said, we fight every battle, and he referenced Jude 3, which we have on the wall back here, but do you want to read Jude 3, honey? It
0: says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints.
1: Yep, so he made that point that we contend earnestly for the faith in every area, and, you know, I personally, I can't help but think that that's the right mindset to have. You know, we don't let things slide or say, you know, ah, I don't really care about this issue. It's not worth my, you know, worth my effort or I'm more focused on this thing right now. We cause... need to have
0: a balance. We need to be balanced in, in both and in studying the scriptures. Well, right. And... Yes.
1: But studying that scripture, I think, should lead you to fighting these battles because the battle's being yeah. fought.
0: But that's how you fight battles is by knowing the word first.
1: Of, yeah, definitely. Um, you got to be in the word to know how to fight. But like the war is being waged. You're either in the battle or they're just sweeping across the land. Like it's not like, well, I'm not going to fight this battle. And they're like, oh, like, okay, well, which one do you want to fight? You know, no, they're fighting all the battles. I mean, if, we, if you've lived in America for the last 10 years, you know that they're fighting every battle on every front continuously so i think we should fight for everything in scripture and against everything that opposes scripture um because i think if it's important enough or it was important enough for god to write it down it should be important enough for us to adhere to and to fight for so just be curious to know what you guys think about cultural apologetics i feel like that's what we've kind of been called to um to you know a lesser degree but that is sort of where my heart is so Um, moving on, as that sort of leads us into our topic on our first sort of topic here on abortion. And this article comes from the Christian Post, honey, if you want to read that headline.
0: Oklahoma legislator passes near total ban on abortion.
1: Yes. And then just read that first paragraph.
0: The Oklahoma legislator on Tuesday gave final approval to a bill that would make performing an abortion illegal in the state, making exceptions only in the case of medical emergencies.
1: And then That's down cool. here, in, uh, one of the, the representative, the Democrat House leader in Oklahoma, she says, as elected leaders, our focus should be on expanding access to health care Protecting public education and address, addressing infrastructure needs. But instead, Republicans are more concerned with relitigating Supreme Court decisions from the state legislature. These bills hurt people, waste taxpayer resources, and get us no closer to our shared goals of a better tomorrow.
0: I could say the same thing.
1: Like, think how, <laughs> in a sane world, arguing that we should be focused on infrastructure needs My more gosh. than babies' lives. What world does that make sense in, outside of our upside-down America that we live in?
0: Yeah, but the whole thing, I was thinking about, like, wasting taxpayer resources. Yeah. Um,
1: How about wasting souls?
0: I know. It's hurting people. I'm like...
1: It's insane. There is no logical argument in the abortion camp. There is none. Um, So, this is huge news. Great to hear that Oklahoma's sort of doing this, just following on Texas's heels. Um, standing for life and i think it's Mm -hmm. important and these states need to do this and i think more will as sort of the horrors of abortion in that industry keep getting exposed um, like they did in horrifying fashion in our next story um if you want to read this headline
0: pro-life groups demand doj investigate um What is DOJ?
1: The Department of Justice. Oh, sorry.
0: Pro-life groups demand Department of Justice investigate abortionists after finding full-term babies in medical waste box.
1: Yep. And it says, after the remains of full-term aborted babies were recovered at an abortion clinic before... the Yeah, at an abortion clinic... Um, before being incinerated as medical waste. Mm. Um, So, you know, I think, I don't know how else to say it or cage it, but this is what the pro-death left in this country considers unwanted babies. They're medical waste. And if that is not bad enough, um, in their eyes, this baby wasn't going to be a waste. Um, If I can find it right here. Um, where did it say? Yes, right here. It says, so it wasn't going to be a complete and total waste um, because the full-term baby, the, all of the full-term aborted babies, were inside biohazard boxes marked as medical waste that was to be incinerated and converted into electricity. Wonderful. Wonderful. You know, how good does that make you feel knowing that you'll be cooling your house this summer using the bodies of burned babies? Like, think how maybe this is their plan to get us away from oil and gas. You know, maybe we're going to use solar panels and murdered babies to fuel the future. I just thought when I was writing these notes down, I'm like, come Lord. You believe
0: what you're reading. Yeah, Just show
1: up now, Lord don't wait.
0: I know. I'm like,
1: no, how, how much bad? more wicked? Because I was looking at this and I think it's important to recognize these people are, they're people you should be terrified of. Like these are psychotic people. Yeah. You have to have a level of evil inside of you that is uncommon to normal men and women. We're all evil to some degree. This is an uncommon Abundance of evil to perform these sorts of jobs. Like it's a completely different ballpark to in a moment of weakness or you're scared and fear to go and have an abortion. It's an evil in its own right, sure. But that's a completely different ballpark than the person on just a normal Tuesday afternoon is like, hey, can you fill up the box with murdered babies so I can take it to the incinerator? I got to get home for dinner with my husband like that's in I don't even know how to classify a level of where you can just be level-headed and calm and dump babies into an incinerator and be like oh I gotta go get my nails done like that's nuts (laughs) that is is nuts that you can get to a level of evil where that just sort of becomes mundane
0: like that's
1: your job every day. Yeah, like every day you're just going to dump babies into an incinerator. And I don't know, How maybe do the justification in their job? mind is like, <laughs> hey, you know, it they're being put to good use. They're converting them to electricity, so that's positive, like madness. Absolute madness. Um in this next story, just it's sort of piggybacks on that story and this one comes from mm. the christian post as well i think and the headline says don't you dare look away confronting the horrors of abortion head-on do you want to read this headline
0: it says on wednesday afternoon some strange and unsettling news oh i'm sorry no this one what one okay the second one the group reportedly received the fetuses from a whistleblower from within a local abortion clinic according to a press release i don't know what that stands for p a a u
1: it's the activists
0: they're activists yeah
1: it's the progressive anti-abortion oh, it set uprising oh up the
0: first okay um they privately arranged for the metropolitan washington dc police uh the police homicide unit To pick up five recently discovered late-term aborted babies for forensic examination, their late gestational ages as well as their apparent sustained injuries potentially potentially show violations of the Partial Birth Abortion Act as well as the Born Alive Infants Protection Act, which are federal crimes.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like reading through this article what they're saying, at least this group is saying, that these babies were probably born.
0: Yeah and they
1: were killed after birth like again think of that level of malevolence where you've already tried to murder a baby inside his mother's womb and by the grace of god somehow it survives and makes its way out of that murder hole and then once it comes out you just kill it anyways like it's so horrifying to think Mm -hmm. that those people walk amongst us yeah. And we're focused on making up fake racial allegations. Like think how Satan he is in charge in this country, probably unlike he's ever been. Um, the spirit of the age is strong in this country. And I don't think you can stay silent on the uh, abortion issue. If you have in the past, you can't anymore. You know, we've all heard that saying that not to speak is to speak. And I think, you know, your silence is an endorsement of the wickedness that's running rampant in this nation. And, you know, I think our parents' generation sort of made a choice on abortion and sort of that sacrifice of children on the altar of feminism, economic achievement, you know, personal comfort. Um, and not all of them, of course, you know, my mom and I'm sure your parents and stuff, but that generation, right? They decided this for us. And you just can't live under 50 years of that kind of wickedness and think that God's just going to look the other way. Like, we deserve judgment for the atrocities that abortion has brought in this country.
0: I know. I'm just wondering, like, are you going to be judged for being silent, for being a coward and not standing up for the ones who can't stand up for themselves, the ones who don't, they literally don't have a voice?
1: I mean, I don't know. Right. God is merciful. And thank God for that. But he's also righteous. Um, And I don't know. Because this nation has been so wicked in so many regards. But I don't think anything touches the abortion industry and wickedness. Um, Because I heard, I think it was 63 million babies killed in this nation through Roe versus Wade. And um, 619. So... The, st- uh, the shocking, I guess, stat is abortion is the number one killer in America. And it outpaces heart disease and cancer. So if you look right here, this is from the Christian Life Resources, 620,000 abortions in 2020 without calculating California, oh. New Hampshire, and one other state. So that probably easily puts it over 700,000 abortions. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the CDC stats, heart disease only had 696,000 deaths. Cancer, 602. It doubles COVID. So there's a pandemic in this country for sure. And it's a murdered babies. And we pretend like that's somehow a human right. It's.
0: People's unconscionable. minds are so twisted.
1: Yeah. I mean, we should be the idea that we're going to be fighting COVID. And at the same time, pushing for They have more. us
0: fighting these... Just focus on fighting the wrong thing.
1: I mean, unless you're, uh, you know, one of Satan's children, it's the right thing, I suppose. But just hmm. shocking, horrifying. Um, don't stay silent on abortion anymore. It doesn't mean you got to be standing outside of Planned Parenthood with a sign. I mean, I encourage it, but it doesn't mean you have to. But you just... If you, if you know say, somebody
0: who's in a bad situation who might go and get an abortion, who's considering it, everybody knows somebody. I'm sure everybody who's had an abortion has had someone in their life try to talk them out of it or someone who was talking them into it. Like, there's always someone.
1: Like Justice Kentaji Brown Jackson. Um, yeah, sorry. Anyways, anyways, I'm speculating, of course sure she's an honorable woman
0: And just pray we have to pray i mean god hears us and he is in charge of people's hearts and i think we forget that sometimes and we don't pray
1: yeah it's hard but that's why we want to bring this stuff to your guys' attention because we are winning i mean the states mississippi still coming up texas oklahoma i mean we're winning and I, you know there are things you can do. I've heard, you know, on some of the pockets, I've told you guys to listen to Jason Whitlock. He plugs a company called Preborn, I believe is what it is. And they, you know, you can support Preborn and they advocate, you know, like free, um, uh, I can't think of the word where you're like ultrasound? Ultrasounds and <laughs> also like post birth care and different things like that mm-hmm. to help women you know know that there's a different way so you know look into supporting organizations that go out and do fight against abortion because it's very important um right and then okay so that took us a long time to get through but abortion was important but we do want to get to lust because next week is easter and we can't get into can't talk about lust on easter that just seems <laughs> okay. unsettling um, So we are going to dive into our Bible topic, which is lust. It's our deadly sin number five. So you can go back on the channel and check out our other episodes. We did like a deadly sin overview. And then we looked at um, avarice, vainglory, envy, and wrath thus far. And we're today at lust. So we like to start out by saying, you know, why is lust a sin? You know, um, because lust, you know, you can kind of say lust in regards to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, The Bible speaks of lusting after food in Psalm 7830, Mm -hmm. you know, but largely when we're speaking about lust, it's kind of in regards to sexual temptation. Um, But I mean, there are other mentions as well, right? Like lust is kind of associated with things like greed and covetousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say it's kind of a sin for a few reasons. And first I got this definition from of all random places on lust, Wikipedia. I thought they had a really good definition <laughs> and it says lust is defined as immoral because it objects or actions or it's, yeah. object. its object or action of affection is improperly ordered according to natural law and or the appetite for the particular object, sexual desire, is governing the person's intellect and will rather than the intellect and will governing the appetite for that object. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of basically saying it overrides self-control. And, you know, the idea is that lust is sort of longing for what's forbidden. Um, I know, just that sense. word
0: forbidden made me just, I feel like I always go back to the Garden of Eden with a lot of it things talk about. It all starts at the garden. It does. Just like... Eve eating the forbidden fruit But come
1: on Eve.
0: but it promised well satan promised a certain result um if she ate of it and she thought that result would to be would be to be like god but instead it made her further from god and the fruit of it was death that's what death is it's like separation from god
1: yeah
0: so every tempt every temptation we give into um is going to produce death, like slowly, unless we repent. (laughs) That's why it's so important to repent. Um, This is why God giving us self-control through his Holy Spirit, this is such a loving and generous thing that he does for us because if he didn't give us self-control as a fruit of the Spirit, we would all give into every temptation that came our way.
1: Yeah, I mean, think how many temptations like, we give into now, and we are, so, you know, we do have the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might be.
0: That's why he's our, our helper. An Uber driver for a
1: Planned Parenthood driving <gasps> young babies. I'm sorry. Oh, I'll move on from it. Sorry.
0: Let's get kind off of that. It's
1: <laughs> controlling my mind right now. But so, uh, <clears throat> what is lust? You know, why is it a sin, but what is it? And according to Webster's revised unabridged dictionary, It says it's the inclination or longing desire, eagerness to possess or enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I like what uh, that website, Inner Varsity, which we've looked at, I think, for all of our deadly sin episodes, has to say. And it says, um, lust is to sex what greed is to money. Um, Sex is not bad as money is not bad. But great selfishness with either, as with anything, ought to give us pause. Lust says more, 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 with no regard for anyone beyond our own self. Lust is a sin that feeds itself and grows, disregarding all costs. And, you know, there's no shortage in scripture of verses that sort of explain what lust is. Um... Do you want to read 1 John chapter 2, verse 16?
0: Yeah, it says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world.
1: Yeah, because that's kind of what lust is, right? It's a desire of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And I like that it says it's an un- uh, unhealthy desire for worldly pleasures, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't really lust after heavenly things. You long right. for heavenly things.
0: So. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's just the opposite. It's a longing. It's a twisted longing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I like that. Romans one twenty four says, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's a heart issue. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't pull it up there. Yep, God gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And then um, Galatians five sixteen through 22, you know, uh, Paul says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the devi- desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Um, and it says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, envy. Um, uh, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like that. And then he says, such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that, you know, lust is what leads you into sexual immorality and impurity and sensuality. and Mm-hmm. You know, he says you won't inherit the kingdom of God, giving into that sin. So, um, pretty dangerous, lust, obviously. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And when you like think on what you're lusting, you're then you're tempted to give in to that longing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it pulls you into it. I mean, that's why the more so that you feed it, to like- I think lust of most. Like of all the sins, you know, the Bible tells us to take captive every thought. That's what I was going to
0: say. Yeah. (laughs) And I
1: think lust is like that preeminent thought process that you have to take captive. You know, like the second you feel that sort of in the back of your mind or you whatever, your eyes wander or that even just a thought of, you know, whoever that you're lusting after. And even if it's not necessarily in the vein of sexual gratification, if it's lusting towards you know owning something or having something as soon as you kind of feel that i mean because we all know what that desire sort of feels like when it's unnatural or like it's too strong of a desire um you really gotta like take a second to (laughs) rein yourself in you know pray repent yeah and it's difficult for sure i mean (laughs) obviously it's difficult i
0: don't think we realize how often we need to repent all day like so many thoughts we have that are even slightly sinful just being offended while driving like how dare you cut me off but then you don't get you know road rage but we're just so easily angered and just in our mind just driving alone probably i just yeah well
1: that's what they said about martin luther when he like first got to the monastery as a monk he would spend like six to seven hours in confessionals a day because he just was overwhelmed by how much he had to repent for it to where, like, the priests were kicking him out of confessionals and they're like, dude, you can't be here every day. <laughs> He's like, you know, so he was overwhelmed until he learned about the grace of God. Wow. You know, but so how do we see lust today? You know, and obviously, this one's easy, right? Like, we see lust everywhere. Um, it may be easier to sort of speak about the places that we don't see lust. Um, you
0: see lust or you see temptations that cause you to lust? You
1: see temptations that cause you to lust, probably. And for us here, like we live in the Emerald Coast, gorgeous part of the country um, down here in Florida. And lust and that temptation is everywhere down here. Like public beaches are basically a no-go zone for godly men and women today, which is awful. You can't enjoy God's you know most beautiful creations and stuff because
0: that's why you want to go to alaska we oh, like the mountains and
1: alaska it's
0: cold there and
1: yeah where you're like <laughs> lusting after the gun on a pretty woman's hip you're like ooh, what is that a 1911 good lord you're like are you looking at her butt you're like no the gun for god's sake what are you talking about so um
0: i know it's just everywhere In maybe a larger problem that goes with lust at least in the vein of sexual perversion is how comfortable, um, and accepting that we are of making others lust after us. You speak to men and women in church or, or out of church about modesty and you'll, you'll most certainly hear, um, them say like, it's not my job to make sure someone isn't lusting after me. It's not my fault. I mean, I would disagree. I mean, we've talked about that before, like.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it, absolutely. Your you fault. actually
0: are taking part in that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you are commanded by our Lord to not lead people into temptation. Um, Matthew 18, verse 7, our Lord says, Woe to the world for temptations to sin. It's necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom temptation comes. That's you. If you are leading someone down a path of lust, now, of course, You can't do everything to stop them, right? You can't walk around in sackcloth and, you know. Right. But that's a far cry from saying, well, it's not my job. So I'm, or, you know, I'm going to not let him give into lust. So I'm wearing a cardboard box. (laughs) Or, well, I'm at the beach in a thong bikini and it's not my fault. Those are very different things, right? You can still, you know, dress in a way that shows that you're pretty and all these sorts of things without going so far that you're making it near impossible. And men are as guilty of that for women. Um, apparently, somehow, disgusting men are guilty of that, I'm sure, too, somehow.
0: Oh, gosh. I don't know. Yeah, guys are guilty of it, too. Thank goodness they're not wearing a thong, though. No, I but mean, I mean... I wouldn't even think that's attractive. That's a different kind of... But it's not even <laughs> necessarily like the
1: beach and stuff, right? Like, you know, dressing in a pretty way you know, like a summer dress or something where you look pretty, that's different than like, I'm wearing white spandex and a sports bra to work out at the gym. Like those are different things and you're aware of what you're doing. So when you're wearing the white, you know, spandex and sports bra and you go, it's not my job. It's not my fault if he's lusting. Like, no, it is. And you should be helping brothers and sisters in Christ live a righteous life. And you shouldn't be leading them down a path of lust and um, that sexual sin.
0: Yeah, our culture is, yeah, very comfortable with that. Christians uh, are comfortable in saying that. They
1: love it. Um, But sort of in that same vein of immodesty, if you want to read Isaiah 520.
0: Uh, It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter.
1: Yeah, I mean, so Isaiah talking about the same thing. Woe to those who call, Oh, I forgot to even put it on the screen. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Um, And then Mm -hmm. just sort of in that sense of lust being like associated. So not with, you know, sexual desire, but looking at lust differently from like the greed and the covetousness. I think we're seeing a lot of lust in this country right now um, for money, for possessions that just sort of take control of people. And maybe it's because of social media, but it seems like it's happening more now. Um, People and almost like it's lust. I don't know if it's like, it comes on faster now where people like see stuff and they just have to have it. And I don't know, like, We just, maybe it's just a society that we're in and maybe it's not lust, but like this, I don't know what you call instant gratification, sort of a society. Because lust sort of can feed into that, right? Like if you're lustful for all this money and these possessions, like how many different avenues of sin does that lead you down where we're told to not be debtors, right? But like your lust for things and possessions that leads you down a path of like, no, I got to get it right now and we do put it on in a credit card and though. Yeah.
0: like,
1: instead of, you know, what our grandparents and stuff would do. Like, it's almost comical now to think like, you know, you're looking to buy a house and you're like, oh, you're going to put 30% down. You're like, we putting 30% down on a house anymore. Anybody yeah. got that kind of money? They got 30% down in credit card debt. Sure. But Yeah. Yeah. Like, people are willing to go to, like, any length nowadays, to it seems like, you know, to acquire money. Um, And I'm not even talking about, like, criminal things. Like, if you just scroll through TikTok for three seconds and you see people, like, grownups, doing just the dumbest things that you can imagine a human being doing just for some likes and hopefully becoming TikTok famous. Like, you watch that and you're like, that's somebody's parent.
0: I know. They're adult for, people are older than us
1: <laughs> and then you feel even more shame when you look at it and it has like five likes you're like you did that <laughs> no likes <laughs> god have mercy but like i said i don't know if that's lust as well for like that greed or that i don't know like lust almost serving your vainglory i don't I know. know
0: i was thinking along the lines of the vainglory as well with that
1: but then also you could look at it like psalm 78 the lust for food like that's gone completely off the rails i think you can see lust for food you know Mm -hmm. that lust that serves gluttony um really well i mean there was a joke by jim gaffigan years ago and i tried to find it on here and i couldn't find it try to find it on youtube but he sort of makes a joke in one of his stand-ups where he's talking about how you know you know he talks about food a lot obviously but he makes a joke (laughs) about how like You know, people would go to a theater in this like fictitious world. And, you know, instead of a naked woman that came out, they'd come out with a platter of food and like slowly lift the cover back. And people be like, ooh, ah," like, (laughs) you know, treating a dish of food like a naked woman. Mm -hmm. And we're there. Like, it's not even a joke anymore because we're there. All of
0: our commercials have like... The funky music in the background and the the low voice talking describing how good the burger's gonna be and
1: Yeah, and like even the way that yeah, they show the food and like they reveal the food like it's a (laughs) naked body, like it's disgusting and people (laughs) I mean, foodies and stuff, people go crazy for food and they I would say they lust after it to some degree. I would
0: say I have tempted people to lust after Food that I have posted on Facebook, like, oh, look at these cookies. They're so good. Or whatever I've made, I'm like, this looks good. I got to share this with someone. Right.
1: Like, obviously, there's a fine line, you know, because obviously, if you look at food and go, wow, that looks really good, I don't think that that's lusting, but I definitely think that it drives down that road of that lustful desire for things where, you know, I think I saw a set that we were 42% obese in this country. 42%. So like, where is that line of like, oh, I just like good food and you know, I'm interested in cooking where like you have this lustful the desire for so much food, food, but to the point where you're eating yourself into this gluttonous, obese society. Was that
0: the next one we're going to talk about? God, I hope we get to gluttony
1: soon. <laughs> Every week when I look at this, I'm like, please be gluttony. I mean, the whole reason we started our seven deadly sins was just so we could eventually talk about gluttony
0: nobody does have you ever found any sermons on it
1: nobody talks about gluttony. seriously have you
0: i haven't looked any up but i, don't
1: know, I haven't found any Man, but
0: it's it's hard to even talk about like mm-hmm. like homosexuality in church about how that's a sin but like
1: don't you nobody's dare.
0: touching gluttony They're don't like, talk oh, don't about the
1: church potluck <laughs> i know <People laughs> bite. those baptists might freak out um but yeah i mean the things that we do with food and the way we used to go to planet fitness when we were in new mexico and it's like i mean planet fitness is they call themselves a gym um but like you'd be on you know the treadmills running and they have like the row of tvs in front of the treadmill and oh like my. on every tv it was like the food network yeah it's like these yeah food nothing wrong with not... overweight people but like you're at a gym and you're watching like these overweight older people cooking like the most unhealthy macaroni and cheese and they're like pulling it out and showing it and you're like why are you we, we should have pumping iron on like with Arnold like that should be inspiration right. but instead Some it's like you. just do 5 more minutes on the treadmill and you too can have cherry pie and you're like ooh yeah like <laughs> so bizarre um our lust for food and uh it might even rival our lust for sexual gratification i think that'd be a close one i'd be interested in what you guys think what do we lust for more in this society Unhealthy food or unhealthy sexual appetites. I think it's a close call. I know. Um, Yeah. But as with all of our deadly sins, they do offer up a counteracting virtue. Um, So our counter virtue to lust, we're told is chastity. Um, And chastity is sexual or moral purity. Sort of freedom from uh, unlawful sexual intercourse is what it says. Um, And chastity definitely makes sense on a physical level, right? Like not giving into sexual temptation. But I think, in the sense that chastity comes from a place of self control, it does make Mm -hmm. sense, you know, because that lustful desire, if you can take control of it, if you can take your thoughts captive, then you can beat lust a lot of the times. It's Mm -hmm. just that we're a culture that's so prone to just giving into every desire and self-control seems like an old timey trait. Like I'm going to be frugal and have self-control. Like get out of here old man, you know? (laughs) So I think I would say chastity might be one of the most, uh, or self-control actually like leading you into chastity is probably the most under recognized or underutilized sort of fruit of the spirit, if you will. um, Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be interesting because we all lack self-control to one extent or another, but it does seem like it's expanding faster and faster, like whatever we want to gratify ourselves with. And it's maybe almost made worse, too, because we have so many people now that are just willing to apologize for you or, you know, whatever it is, if you fit the right category in society, you can just have no self-control. And people are like, oh, well, it's... It's that guy's fault over there that he lacks self-control. Like, no, it's, it's your fault that you lack self-control. Yeah. Um, but I do think that living a chaste lifestyle is something that you really sort of have to desire. Um, because kind of like Christ taught us that lust was a heart issue and a mind issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the idea of like just not having sex isn't chastity, you know. I think if all your thoughts and all your desires are about having sex or about, you know, yeah, just, you know, giving into sexual impulses, then I don't think you're being chased, right? You're not have you don't have chastity, like chastity or chastity in my mind is a mindset or a lifestyle of like submitting yourself and your desires to God.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's not just, well, I didn't have sex yesterday. <clears throat> it's every time that that sinful impulse or sinful desire for lusting after a girl here and there came up, I took that thought to God and repented of it, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm overcoming it. That's sort of the chastity mindset. I think, um,
0: yeah, just our taking our thoughts captive. Like you said earlier, submitting our thoughts. Yeah. Repenting for our thoughts and asking for help. Cause God knows. God knows how weak we are, just even in our minds.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was tempted as well, right? The Bible says that he was tempted in every way. Um, so he, he dealt with lustful um, temptations. He just had the self-control to never give into it. Um, and the Apostle Paul tells us, he says, um, on this idea of chastity, he says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So he's saying, yeah, if you can have chastity and self-control, that's great. You don't need one. But since you're all weak-willed people, go get married. And he's Um,
0: saying that temptation is equal for men and women. That's why he said each man have a wife, each woman have a husband.
1: I thought women didn't like having sex. Okay. Isn't that something they used to always say, right? Or is that like Muslim countries? I don't know.
0: I don't know who said it. Somebody who are you said hearing it somewhere. that craziness. Um
1: really? but no, I think, you know, it comes from a place of this chastity, from kind of like being glad and appreciative for what God's given you. You know, lust again is kind of desiring something you don't have or that you're yet to acquire. You know, rather that's sex or even if it's money or food, um, And it doesn't even really have to be real, right? And I think that's why so many couples, like when I was putting this together, so many couples get divorced late in life. I think, you know, they can weather that lustful desire for a while, but I think they eventually give in. And it's usually when the partner, like they don't think that they desire them anymore Um, Mm. or maybe probably physically more so, you know, because they don't physically desire them anymore. And then they just make it up in their mind that, well, I don't desire them in other ways either. You know, they just kind of justify it in their mind. Um, But then it's like it's only to realize afterwards that like that young new spouse that you have really isn't what you were hoping for either. Uh, So I think it's just kind of learning to be satisfied with what God's given you.
0: I know. Um, It's like that verse that you read, like we're told, just get your own husband or your own wife. But even that's not good enough. It's like, no, I'm, I, uh, sexual immorality can yeah. happen and
1: anyway. You're like, I'm 50 now and I only have like another year or two left of getting somebody young and attractive before I'm old. I better make it work now. Like, I'm going to throw out those 30 years of marriage and go. <sighs> Cause I don't think it's, again, it's not like selfish necessarily even just, you know, sticking with your partner, right? Like, well, I'm married. I'm going to stay. It's like, it's sort of the chastity is kind of this like longing to be satisfied with what you have. Like Mm -hmm. it's not that
0: I just have what I
1: have, but I want to want to have what I have. Right. I want to have what God's given me and be grateful for it.
0: Yeah. Being Um, grateful.
1: I think, you know, that can kind of be a mindset. So before we kind of end on our sermon recommendation, do you have any last thoughts on this topic?
0: Oh yeah. Just, well, lust is, is a sin in our minds, and this is why we're told to have our minds renewed in the scriptures. Um, just thinking about like not being grateful for what we have. The Israelites in the desert—they uh, tested God. They weren't thankful for all He had done. They uh, were told that they lusted after meat. You know, they complained against God um, that they didn't have meat. They weren't thankful for what He was providing already. Um, so, because they didn't have that was a craving they had, and they so they didn't have that craving. Those were the things that they had had in Egypt. So they were tempting God, testing Him. So they longed for those delicacies uh, that Egypt had for them. So their minds were on those things rather than on praising God for rescuing them and trusting Him to provide for them. And that's how our minds need to be on all things. Or you know, well, God gave them that meat, but then I'm pretty sure he wiped them all out, too, with a plague or something, too. He's like, all right, you can get it, but then I'm going to
1: punish you. Yeah. Is it really what you wanted?
0: Yeah, and, uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving, make your request uh, made known to God. And that's where they went wrong. They were unthankful. And instead, they tested God and complained to him. So when, when we set our minds on things of the flesh, that is what lust is. So why would we meditate on those things and become just like the disobedient Israelites? The things your flesh lusts for, it's not praiseworthy. And Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So, whatever our minds are thinking on to say, is this praiseworthy? Is this glorifying God? So, we're told just to meditate on the things that are praiseworthy. That's why we meditate in scripture. And then we're meditating about that, what we read throughout the day. We're renewing our mind. So lust is a type of meditating on what the flesh desires. So we should not be meditating on what it desires. Like I said, that's a definition of lust. Our mind's focusing on how to please our flesh is not the way someone born of the spirit should be thinking. They have a new mind. So put on the mind of Christ, Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, present your bodies as um, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I was just reading Joshua 1, 8. And again it's there meditating in God's word and he says day and night so that you will be prosperous that's not worldly prosperous that's prosperous in your walking with the Lord so
1: yeah no definitely um that's took me by surprise that's probably the longest do you have any last words before we end that Nikki's ever had
0: My longest last. Normally, I'm like,
1: "Do you have anything to say?" She's like, "Nope." And now I'm like, "Do you have anything to say?" She's like, "Yes, I do."
0: There's, I mean, it's a (laughs) lot. It's good. No,
1: it's I've just
0: the scriptures. There's a lot of scriptures that go along with it. Caught me off guard. Meditating in the Word, renewing your mind, um, not just not giving in to what the flesh desires. It's just all. It's all there. It's very easy to see it in Scripture and the way to apply it meditate in the scriptures renew your mind like that's number one takeaway how how do i overcome how do i overcome lust and i think
1: that's a good point to sort of end on because we hear a lot of like you know read the bible every day and and pray every day and stuff like this and maybe that can almost become repetitious to where it's not beneficial but when you change that from like read every day to meditate to where you're like you're not just reading but now you're like mentally digesting it all mm-hmm. day long and what does it mean how do i apply it how you know how is this going to change my life if i give in to these mm-hmm. sorts of things so meditation is a lot deeper level of understanding meditating on something. means to
0: think on so whatever like lust or whatever fleshly desire you're you're thinking on and tempting yourself with uh i just encourage you like there's there's scriptures for all of that Like it's good to be reading your like, if you're doing like one year Bible, like stick with that. That's fine. But we also need to be going to the scriptures for what we're dealing with, for the sin issue we are dealing with. So don't ignore that and just reading the Bible like there's scripture for everything. You need to apply it to your life. You need to be reading it. It's going to convict you about your sin, but it's going to renew your mind um, concerning that specific um, area in your life. Did I say Pacific or specific? <laughs> I felt like
1: Pacific. <laughs> She's a child. I felt no. like I
0: said Pacific.
1: <laughs> no, and I'll just end on, yeah, just, you know, just wrapping back up on the abortion issue. You know, we're harsh on abortion and we get that and we're sorry if it's offensive to you, um, but we're passionate about it. You know, if you've had an abortion, right, God can forgive you of that. Um, even if you're one of those wicked abortion workers. God can forgive you of that. Um, So we would hope that you would call on him, find some godly people in your life um, to reach out to and get some prayer and repentance for that. Um, You're not too far gone. Um, And then in lust, yeah, just just work on it, right? Like we're not going to overcome lust on this earth and in this life. We're not going to overcome it, but we can make ground up. So you know, whatever areas that you feel like you have a strong, lustful desire, whether that's for greed and money things where you think, because lust is really just, it's the car that you travel in, right? To get to whatever, mm. like she said, lust is driving you to sexual temptation. Lust is driving you to greed. Lust is driving you to gluttony. Um, so whatever area that is, you know, just work on it. Pray for self-control. If it's you're a foodie and you know that food is something that's unhealthy and has a Unhealthy grip on you, pray for that and work on it. And it doesn't mean that you got to eat oatmeal and rice cakes for the rest of your life, but you can pray and work mm. on that too, to show yourself, you know, to being uh, self controlled. And that, because again, that's a fruit of the spirit. And when you lack that, you know, the thing is, it doesn't say that these are fruits of the spirit, where like, well, I got three of the fruits. No, you either have them or you don't. um mm. So we should be working to have them. So, just just pray on that, and then we'll end here just touching again on that sermon recommendation um, from Justin Peters, his interview with John MacArthur. And oh, let me actually get it pulled up. Yep, his interview with John MacArthur. You can see it's not terribly long. Oh, it doesn't show up there. I think it was like 45 minutes long or something. Oh, 50 minutes. Not long, but... Well,
0: the interview part was like 20, 30 minutes. 25 minutes. Yeah, he does
1: like a pre-interview talk before he gets into the interview. So if you just want to hear the interview, um, but it was a good kind of pre-talk as well. Yeah, it was. Go give that a listen. I think it's worthwhile. Um, Even if you're not a big fan of John MacArthur, personally, I think the position that he holds and sort of the stands that he takes, I think are important uh, from a Christian mindset. But... Otherwise, we'd love to hear from you guys. Please come find us on social media. Um, Leave us some comments. If you got a few seconds to drop us a review, we would appreciate that. Um, But otherwise, we'll be back Monday with our devotionals. And then next week is Easter, which is awesome. So God bless.